Blog Talk Radio. For the next hour, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pecant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pecant. And you can send messages to the show. At go for at uh, go for it dot can on Twitter. That's at go for it dot can on Twitter. Send messages to the show. Also, chat room is open. You can chat with us here at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. So you can chat with us on here at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan in the chat room, or you can hit us up on Twitter at go for it Great show lined up for you today. Expect to be joined by former NFL corner Reggie Howard, and Reggie is doing some big time things. In the community, Reggie is the president and executive director of United Athletes Foundation, a big-time foundation. We're going to talk to Reggie about some of the things that they're up to, some of the things they're doing, and some of the things behind the United Athletes Foundation. Also, we're going to be joined by 49ers linebacker Larry Grant, and Larry has a big football game against the Green Bay Packers. Larry is going to be joining us in uh, at 9:35. We're going to be joined by Larry Grant. So it should be interesting. Reggie Howard, Larry Grant should be a good old time. And we're going to bring him in now. We're going to bring him in now. Former NFL corner, a guy doing some big things in his community, president, executive director of United Athletes Foundation, the one, the only, Reggie Howard. Reggie, how are you, man? I'm doing great, fellas. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem. I appreciate you guys having me. Reggie, you're doing big things in the community. We're going to get to that. But i got to ask that we got to go on the football field now. I want to talk about RG3 and that whole situation. We know the situation. He had surgery the other day, repairs LCL, repairs ACL. Many thought he should have been taken out of that game. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm with the crowd. You know, I, I thought he should have been taken out as soon as he showed, you know, signs of, kind of retweaking that injury. Um, we took that big hit on that last touchdown. Um, you know, I think it would have been better for him uh, first and foremost. But then, too, I, I actually think it would have gave, you know, the Redskins a better opportunity to actually win that game. And, and to your point, I mean, Kirk Cousins has come off the bench before for the Redskins against the Ravens. He came off the bench and did his thing. And against the Cleveland Browns, he started that game and he played very well. So, to your point, I mean, Kirk Cousins has proven to be a legitimate backup for RG3. Is this a case of Mike Shanahan being a little too loyal to RG3? You know, I I, I really can't really understand why he made that decision to go ahead and keep him in, to be honest with you, uh, especially with the, uh, you know, the way Cousins played, you know. Um, you know, I, I would have thought that, you know, he would have gave, you know, Cousins that opportunity 
uh, quite honestly, to look out for the long-term future of RG3. You know, um, you, you definitely want to do everything you can, you know, to keep winning in the playoffs, but not at the expense where you're taking, you know, one of your marquee players and now he has to go up under the scope and, you know, he might, you know, lose next year or you don't know what kind of repercussions are going to come with the future, you know, of, of his athletic ability, you know, from that. So, you know, to me, you know, just, you know, that's just my two cents. You know, if it was me, I would have got him out of there after I took a 14-point lead and just, you know, rode it out with, with Cousins and then, you know, live to fight another day, you know, because yep. um, at the end of the day, you know, now this guy has a tear in his knee on the same knee um, right. that he had, you know, injuries on before, and, and we really just don't know what type of long-term effects that's going to have on his performance. And, and the thing about it, you watch that game, it only, I mean, they were up 14 and nothing, and from there, the Redskins didn't do anything. RG3 couldn't do anything, couldn't run, couldn't barely, barely could step into to his throws. So he was really, in a lot of ways, he was non-existent after that second drive. And I, I guess Mike Shanahan and, and RG3 and the whole Redskins team, they'll look back on it and probably say they may have made a mistake. But can you understand? I mean, you said you can't understand the loyalty. I came from this standpoint. When RG3 was the guy who changed the culture in Washington, the guy who was a big reason why they're even in the playoffs. So I can kind of understand the loyalty. Yeah, well, I'm not saying it from not understanding the loyalty standpoint. I'm just saying from a, you know, a, 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 quite honestly, a straight business decision. You know, uh, you know, right. for me, it just came down to a situation where, man, look, this guy – He's giving you everything. It's not a loyalty thing. It's the fact that man, he's hurt. You know, he's not right. the same quarterback that that I that that got us to this point in the current position that he is in now. Now, before that game started, yeah, you know, you could see it. You know, he got out to fourteen fourteen up because he could still he still had some mobility. Man, I he took that hit. Man, he could he was limping walking back to the huddle. You know, it was it was evident. You know, it, it wasn't right. a situation where it was something where. It wasn't evident. It, this was evident, you know, how this guy was walking around. And he had did something, you know, terribly wrong. And, you know, just from my standpoint, it, it wasn't a loyalty thing. It was just thinking of, you know, the long-term future of my star marquee player, you know. And, Definitely. you know, for, for, for something like that, you know, it's not about being a tough guy or anything like that. You know, it's just the quarterback position and what you're asking RG3 to do, which is really, you know, the second the second running back on that team, is that you're telling him to go out there and run the ball tough on a bad wheel, and you know for what he does to that offense, you know it, that he just was not effective once he had that injury. So not at all, you know, not at all. And also last weekend, uh, Reggie Ray Lewis, his his final game in Baltimore, he's calling it quits after 17 years. How does Reggie Howard remember Ray Lewis? I mean, Ray, Ray's a, a great guy, man. Um, you know, tenacious on the field. You know, you know, plays hard, plays with so much passion. And uh, you know, you can see it in a lot of interviews you talk about. Man, he doesn't really play the game. Basically, from a football standpoint, he played it from you know coming from another passion that he had from all the things that he dealt with, you know, in his past. And you know, just being around Ray for the past four years, and you know what he's been doing with the organization, just getting to know him from a personal standpoint. I've never met anybody with a bigger heart and more more passion, you know, for what they do than a guy like Ray. And uh, one of the things that I admire about him is is what he said, you know, that wherever he meets his impact. I mean, I don't I don't care who you are, you know, every time that you meet this guy, he has an incredible ability to impact your life in some way or some fashion. And you know, he's just very inspirational 
And, you know, uh, when I left the game, you know, Ray was probably the only person I ever had talked to that actually made me thought about playing again just because of the, the, the passion that he exudes for the game and, and the way he plays. So, you know, that if I could put a word around him, you know, it would be passion, heart, you know, right. a true warrior. You know, that's, that's the way I remember Ray Lewis in the game. And looking at the Ravens this week, they travel to Denver. We all know Ray Lewis, his final hurrah, his final ride. Is that enough for the Ravens to get by the the hot Denver Broncos? You know, um, that's going to be a, a, just a tough one. Um, you know, they've had some big battles uh, between Ray and, and, and Peyton. And, you know, I, I've been a big fan of, uh, you know, Coach Fox, you know, as well. And so, you know, it's kind of, you know, a bittersweet game, you know, for myself because I'm kind of cheering for both sides. But I think um, just for Ray, you know, with this being his last year and, you know, wanting to see him kind of go out on top, you know, uh, I'm really rooting for, you know, the Ravens, you know, to, to, to pull a win out there. But it's just going to be tough, man. You know, ever since, you know, Peyton Manning has gotten back in this groove, man, he's done nothing but, you know, put up 300-yard games, uh, been very efficient. And right. I think, you know, um, just from a defensive standpoint, at this point, you know, I think that, you know, Denver is just, you know, stronger uh, as an overall team than the Ravens might be at this time. And what about let's let's look at the Seattle uh Atlanta Falcons game. That's gonna be a big game. The Falcons been struggling in the playoffs over the past few years, had a rough one last year against the New York Giants, didn't even score an offensive touchdown. You got the big bad Seattle Seahawks Seahawks going in there. That defense is playing well, that run game is playing well, their rookie quarterback Russell Wilson is playing well. Does Seattle have a shot? Will Seattle beat the Atlanta Falcons? Now, man, now that's a team, they're just playing really well at the right time. And in the playoffs, you know, that's always, a, uh, you know, a, a chance of great success. And, yeah, I actually do have Seattle um, find a way to win a game against Atlanta um, wow. just because um, I, I just think that they've, they, they've jailed really well at the right time and they, they're just hot. You know, when you get in that position where, you know, you really kind of hit your groove, and, uh, you know, you've got a lot of momentum going behind you. You seem to make those extra little plays that help you win the game. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, Seattle is just at that point right now. And uh, with the way that they're using Russell Wilson, um, to, you know, to make the good reads on the passes. But, hey, if that's not there, go ahead and take off and run and get us those extra, you know, seven, eight yards to get us that first down. I think, you know, that's been a big key to their success is that they've been able to extend drives you know, with, with Russell's ability, you know, to break the pocket and actually pick up those extra yards to get the first down. And now you're out in Atlanta right now, right? Well, you know, our offices are out of Atlanta. I'm actually, you know, I'm a hometown guy out of Memphis, Tennessee, so that's that's okay. where I, I actually reside. Okay, okay. So, I mean, uh, that will be difficult if Atlanta loses again. I mean, second time in the past few years they've had home field advantage throughout these playoffs. And if they go out in the first round, Again, what does that say about Matt Ryan? I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> and, I mean, it's, it's 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 tough, man, out here, man. And uh, you know, I I I really think the Falcons are a lot better than they were last year. Um, I really do. I think they just kind of, you know, just like last year, they just ran into a hot team. Um, and I I just think that, you know, the confidence that Seattle is playing with right now, I just think that, you know, it's kind of it's a bad draw for them um, because I think that, you know, they're just a really, really high team right now. And, and, and I just think that, you know, with the defense, I, I definitely tilt, tilt the defensive side to, um, 
to uh, Seahawks. But then even on the offensive side, I think that they're, you know, uh, matched up pretty well. But I just think the fact that Russell Wilson, even if he can't throw the pass there, he can always take off a run, gives them the advantage um, that I think is going to help them extend those plays that uh, will help them control the game and um, eventually uh, find a way to pull out that win. So, um, you know, I, I hate to say that, you know, with me being in Atlanta a lot, but, you know, hey, I'm just kind of keeping it real. <laughs> you got to keep it real. and <laughs> I mean, you, you got to keep it real. And the thing about it is if Atlanta does lose to Seattle and you believe Seattle is the hot team and they are playing good, some good football right now, Atlanta in 2010, they they played the Green Bay Packers. They were hot at that time. Packers beat the Falcons and went on to win the Super Bowl. And then last year against the New York Giants, a hot football team, they beat the Falcons, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. So who knows? We'll see. Maybe Seattle wins, and they can go on and win the Super Bowl. I mean, they couldn't get to the Super Bowl. They have what it takes in terms of their run game and in terms of their defense. I mean, they could do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. And then once you get to the playoffs, that's what it, it comes down to, man. Can you can you stop the other team from running the ball, and can you run the ball? And, that, and you know, at the end of the day, that typically ends up being the teams that make it. You know, Green Bay was a little bit non-traditional in that fact, but they were so hot on offense as far as passing the ball, you know, that, that wasn't really a big problem for them. But if you look at the majority of teams that have won, you know, the Super Bowl over the past few years, they've been able to stop the run and been able to establish during the game. Definitely. And, uh, you know, those are the teams that, you know, have have come away with that trophy. And, and what real quickly now, what about the Packers 49ers? How do you see that? Uh, you know, uh, I, uh, with that one, I, that's a that's a real tight one. Um, for me, I, I think um, I honestly think that uh, I think 49ers might end up squeaking that one out because of home field advantage. And and also real quickly, Texans New England. Whoa. Uh, and they're where they're at Texas, right? They're in New England. They're actually in New England, so you can actually home field advantage. Wow. Okay. Um, man, that's a tough one, man. I, um, you know, it's tough to be New England at home, especially in the playoffs. So I, I would have to kind of lean towards New, New England for that one. We're talking to former NFL corner Reggie Howard, president and executive director of the United Athletes Foundation. Reg, you have an incredible story, man. You broke your neck while playing football at the University of Memphis. At that time, doctors thought you could have died, but obviously you made it. Talk about that moment, and talk about from that moment how you found your true purpose in life. Yeah, uh, you know, it came in my senior season um, at the University of Memphis. Uh, you know, we was playing the game, and actually uh, came up at the fourth quarter. We was uh, pretty much at the game in hand, and uh, unfortunately, had uh, made a tackle, and on that tackle, one of my teammates' knee um, hit me in the back of the head on the tackle, and it was an instant crack. Um, I heard the crack, you know, in my body. Um, I just didn't realize that it was my neck. Um, so when it came and got me off the field, I actually, you know, came off the field and walked off. That um, was just a big burning sensation in my back, you know, from torn ligaments and things at that standpoint. And I just told him, I said, man, this helmet and his, these shoulder pads just feel real heavy. I don't know what's going on. My back feels like it's on fire. And so that's when they took me to the back, you know, did the x-rays and uh, came back and told me that, you know, I had basically I had both my neck, you know. And so, oh. you know, then didn't know what my future held or, you know, what was going to go on from that. Um, they actually flew me uh, back to Memphis for emergency surgery um, that evening. Um, and I just remember uh, just kind of laying on the stretcher. Um, on the plane flying back and just, you know, just praying that if I had another opportunity, 
you know, to play this game that I would use it for something bigger than football. And, uh, you know, fortunately enough, you know, when I had the surgery, um, you know, everything went really well with the surgery. Um, and the only medical explanation that they could tell me was that the area around my neck was uh, twice the size of a normal person. So when the break occurred, uh, none of the bones actually touched my, my nerves. So I had a, a fusion at the fifth and sixth vertebrae, um, had that put together, and um, I made a promise to my family that, hey, if they tell me that there's an increased you know, risk of me having this injury again, um, I won't play football ever again. But if they tell me that there's not an increased risk, you know, I will go back and play. And, you know, fortunately, you know, I was I came back. They took some bone off my hip, fused it, put some screws in my neck, and I uh, came back. I was able to uh, still uh, make it to the Carolina Panthers as a free agent, uh, which was, uh, you know, really tough, you know, because before I got hurt, I was uh, a top-ten corner, you know, coming out of the University of Memphis and mm-hmm. sort of had to kind of come back from the back. But, you know, I just was really excited, you know, just to even have the opportunity. Um, and then when Coach Fox came in uh, two years um, into my you know, into my career, he just told me he was going to give me a fair shot. And so when he told me that, you know, that's told him that's all I had been waiting for and, you know, got the opportunity to start for him for, um, you know, three years and, uh, you know, went off to play a couple of years with Miami. Uh, but then just got to a point, you know, where, uh, you know, just really started to think about, you know, what's next, you know, what's the next chapter in my life. And uh, quite honestly, man, I just prayed about it. And uh, when I came back and thought about it, you know, I've always loved giving. And so, um, you know, I made the decision that, I was going to walk away from, you know, the NFL and just focus completely on, you know, being a giver and uh, uh, showing others how to give the right way. And so um, that's where, you know, the birth of the thoughts of, you know, creating, you know, UAF where uh, we had an organization of athletes that were doing community service but utilizing the team concept, you know, in philanthropy. And so that's truly what the mission of UAF is, is empowering athletes uh, to impact communities through education and social development so that we can use, you know, the athletic, the athletic fraternity uh, uh, for the betterment of our communities. So our organization is all about helping and assisting mm-hmm. and putting guys in the best position so that they can they can go out and do the things that they do uh, as far as they care about the community and make them more effective and more efficient at doing those things. And the reality is, if you would have never broken your neck, this may not have come about. I mean, I, I tell people that all the time. You know, a lot of people thought that that was a, a bad thing. Um, and I actually told them it was actually a blessing in disguise because one of the things I think, you know, that happens to a lot of guys, you know, that play these sports or play these games and go to the next level, when you're having so much success leading up to that and, you know, you've done all the work on the field and you're getting all the success, you know, from that hard work, it's hard, to get, it's easy to get in a position where you think that everything is supposed to be a certain way. And so for me, you know, it was going down the point where I thought that football was everything for me, but then when this injury happened, it woke me up. You know, you know, you only really got ten years, fifteen if you're, you know, if you're very, very fortunate right. to play this game. So what, you know, you need to have another plan. And so I never, you know, went into the NFL thinking that this was all I was going to do. From day one, I was always thinking about, you know, what am I going to do next? You know, and so. I think for me, it definitely was a blessing in disguise because it, it helped me to go back and get my degree. I finished out my degree, uh, marketing management degree at the University of Memphis. I did a lot of programs through the NFL, entrepreneurship programs, uh, business management programs, uh, wealth management, internships, all type of things just to get myself um, in a better position so I can be ready to transition away from the game. And talk about the transition from going from an NFL player 
to a, a regular guy pretty much. How difficult can that be? It, it, I mean, it seemed like it wasn't too difficult for you, but for a lot of other players, it's a difficult transition. Well, I'm not going to say it was difficult because it was. Okay. I mean, that first that first year, man, it was tough because, um, you know, it, it, it's almost as if the lights are turned off. You know, uh, when you're playing the game, the lights are on you, you get all the treatment, you get all the things, you know, that come associated with the stardom of being a you know, professional athlete. Uh, but then once once you step away from the game, it's almost as if, you know, you're, you're back to being a regular Joe. And, and a lot of times that's hard for guys to kind of transition from because you're trying to figure out, you know, what do I do next? Where is my value? You know, what what can I do now that's going to fulfill me, you know, as I move forward? And so for me, I just really, you know, even though it was tough, I took a full year to really just sit back and evaluate what did I really want to do moving forward. Mm-hmm. And whatever that was, I didn't want to just do it because it was something I had to do. I wanted to do something that, you know, I wanted to put my passion in. I wanted to be, you know, whether I got paid or not, I just wanted to be something that I truly cared about. And so, quite honestly, for me, it just came down to either going down the road of going back into football from a coaching standpoint or going into this uh, organization that we're doing with UAF and the difference we're making. And it really just came down to the decision where, you know, I can stay here in Memphis and make impact here in my local community, or I can go off and make this organization that has the ability, you know, to help people's lives, not only nationally, but globally. So, you know, that, that's, that's what really kind of came down, you know, with my decision-making on it. We're talking to former NFL corner and president and, and executive director of United Athletes Foundation, Reggie Howard. And, Reggie, at any point in your career, and we've seen it, we see all the stories, we saw the ESPN 30 for 30 movie broke, and how guys got caught up in the fancy cars, the houses, helping this one and that one, giving everybody money. Did you ever get caught up in any of that stuff during your career? Well, I mean, at the beginning, um, it's kind of tough at the beginning because, um, you know, and that's one of the areas that we focus on with our organization is financial mm-hmm. literacy and educating guys on that aspect. You know, what I tell people a lot of times is, you know, for people to, you know, sit there and criticize guys that have gotten into this, you know, gotten to the status, you have to look at this as almost as hitting the lottery. You know, you got a young man that or young woman that is, you know, basically at the age of, you know, 20, 18, 19, 20 years old, where you're, 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 I mean, you have no idea about what you're getting into with this type mm-hmm. of money, you know, especially when you come with a situation where, you know, $1,000, $2,000 was a lot of money in the past, and now you just hit seven figures in your bank account. So for me, mm-hmm. you know, that first, I, I would say the first three years, it took me a while to kind of get adjusted to really understanding, you know, how to manage the money, how to go more into a budget system, you know, putting myself in a position where, you know, I would be able to live, you know, the rest of my life, you know, off of funds that were put up and earning interest off those funds. It really comes down to the situation of understanding that, hey, man, before you got here, you were able to live a good life, you know, without this money. So why would you, you know, take that money in and now start to go out and buy all these extravagant, extravagant things that you normally didn't have at first if you could put yourself in a position where you live off percentages and, and percentages off the money that you earn you know, you could put yourself in a position where you're able to retain a certain amount over certain years, and then you basically work off that budget on an annual basis. So, right. you know, um, you know, I'm not one to come in and try to down a guy for that because I went through it myself and kind of mm-hmm. understanding that because I had never, you know, worked with a financial advisor. I didn't know what a debt was. I didn't know what an asset was. I didn't know what money management was, you know, until all of this was put on me at that age, at you know, 21 years old. So, 
you know, there's a tr- transition process of understanding, you know, how to manage money, you know, what what to look for, how to know if you're working with a good financial advisor that's not, you know, uh, using your money for his own personal gains. You know, it's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff out there that wasn't talked about that are also issues with guys, you know, experiencing uh, the, the terrible statistics, you know, of these guys going unemployed, broken, um, and uh, divorced. And so for us, that was always a key area that we saw that, man, we got to find a way to start putting information in front of guys and showing them that there's resources out here to help them, you know, so um, that they don't experience, you know, these issues because it's a blessing, you know, to come in, into that type mm-hmm. of wealth to instantly go into the top 2% earning percentile, you know, of the, of the U.S., uh, and it's just a shame, you know, to get to that point and then for it to all be gone. But, you know, that's you know that's one of the things that we're really trying to heavily focus on is to providing information. You know, I think the main thing comes down to just continually providing information and continually educating and, and giving guys options where they can check things because one of the things, mm-hmm. you know, that we promote to guys is, hey, just because you got somebody doesn't mean that you don't need somebody else watching over them, you know, because wow. I think that's what happens is that a lot of guys have relationships that guy introducing them somebody that manages their money, you know, at the time you're not even really, really understanding how to read those financial documents, which, you know, unless you understand it, it's, it's hard. So someone could come in there and falsify documents in front of you and tell you, hey, man, you know, your money's earned this, and the whole time they've spent the money. But because they brought you these documents in front of you, you think everything is okay. So it's a lot of stuff that I feel that goes into that. So I'm not one to just kind of say that, Hey, it's your fault or anything like that. I think it's a process of us putting things in front of guys where we can educate not only them but the people around them. You know, a lot of times mm-hmm. it's family members that don't understand. So our thing is, man, we just want to find ways that we can provide people with information and educate. You know, that's the only way, you know, that you're going to really be able to protect yourself if you know how to read this stuff yourself. And where can we find information about this great foundation, United Athletes Foundation? Uh, you can check us out. We're at www.unitedathletesfoundation.com. And, uh, you know, we got some great stuff coming up in 2013. Uh, we got a financial literacy roadshow. Uh, we're basically going across the country uh, doing symposiums and uh, seminars on financial literacy. Uh, we, we've partnered with uh, PGA of America uh, to work with them in this area. Uh, we've also had some discussions with working with minor league baseball. Um, and, you know, we're just trying to build this thing out. And then we've also, you know, gotten to the space of community redevelopment, you know, so we're trying to find ways from a holistic approach how we go back and bring guys back to their communities, you know, because, you know, a lot of this money that they're making, if we can put them in positions where they can see, you know, there's opportunities where your money can do well while doing good and make good investments while impacting and truly, you know, changing your, your inner city communities, you know, that's the type of things that we're on, man. We just – just out here just trying to show, you know, make real change and, and using the whole team concept in the space. And, and the funny thing, I mean, you talked about your story, how the third year you finally got it, and the average NFL career is about three years. So you were fortunate enough to play as long as you did and fortunate enough to finally get it. Well, it, it, the, thing, the thing that really kind of saved me was, you know, I took a, a, a web management internship, and it really kind of exposed me right before I was able to kind of go into a situation where I got bigger contracts, you know, and, and, it, and it really helped me to kind of see, you know, what, you know, people with wealth were doing to preserve their wealth. And I think, right. you know, for guys, I think that really helps because it's education because, to me, it, it comes down to the basis of understanding the definition of words, 
quite honestly. I think if guys could just understand the words and the concepts and what these things mean, it's all translation. You know, you can translate into terms that they understand from the football world, but it's a it's an understanding of what's being done with your money, what's a stock, what's a dividend, what's a bond, you know, what are these things, you know. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's what we're really big on trying to educate guys on is just show them that, hey, man, this is what it is, and if you need help, don't be ashamed to reach out to us. We're here. You know, we're a brotherhood. Our, our interest is out. You know, our best interest is out for your best interest. We don't right. care about everybody else. We're looking out for you because we feel like if we can put you in the best position, you know, to retain your wealth, that translates into money that can be actually implemented back into the community and help us up, you know, help us rise up as a, as a community together. And so, you know, that's that's our overall vision, and that's what we're trying to accomplish with our organization. And, Reggie, one more time, where can people find information about this great foundation? Uh, You can check us out at www.unitedathletesfoundation.org, and then you can also check us out on Twitter at United Athletes at United Athletes. So, um, you know, you can check out some information. Matter of fact, another thing, um, we'll be posting it um, in the next couple of days, but we're going to be making an announcement um, uh, on February 6th at the New York Stock Exchange that we developed, okay. uh, we just developed our first uh, tax uh, house tax credit fund. So we're actually going to be having corporations that come in and uh, invest into our fund, which we're going to basically use that money to go out and provide affordable housing uh, in 26 states uh, moving forward. So, you know, you know, we, you know, we we're just really trying to do some things that have a true holistic approach of how we want to target and help you know, bring this back home to our communities and help, you know, help people that really need it. And so, you know, that's that's what our organization is all about. Reggie, your organization, yourself, you're doing some big things, man. Keep it up. I applaud you. A lot of guys need this education, and you're giving it. This foundation is giving it. So I applaud you for that. And, Reggie, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. We wish you nothing but the best of luck. We'd love to have you back on again. Keep doing what you're doing, man. I appreciate you guys. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Thanks. Take care. Reggie Howard, former NFL corner, now president and executive director of United Athletes Foundation, support some of the great things they have going on. They have a lot of great things going on. And and the funny thing is, you know, we, we, we athletes make a lot of money. They do make a lot of money. And we think that their money is going to last forever, and we think that there's no way they can go through the money that they go through. But... I'm here to tell you that it happens. Reggie is telling you the stories. It happens. Financial literacy is very important. Not only very important for athletes, it's very important for all of us as people to know and learn about our money. That's an important thing. That is an important thing for us to learn about. And, And Reggie is educating athletes in a lot of ways, educating us about some of the, the pitfalls that are out there in terms of protecting, managing, and taking care of your money. Support some of the great things Reggie Howard has going on. Please support. And I want to get back to the RG3 uh, situation for a moment now. And, again, he had his surgery. Um, you know, an ACL injury could be it's a year injury, 9- to 12-month type recovery. They are saying they expect him to the surgery was a success. You always hear that after surgery that it was a success. But they expect him to be able to get back on the field in 2013, early 2013. They expect that to happen for RG3. And and we'll see. 
we'll see. I mean, we, we saw with Adrian Peterson and his great recovery, his great comeback, even Thomas Davis uh, from the Carolina Panthers who had a, a few ACL uh, surgeries, and he was able to come back and had a fairly decent year for the Carolina Panthers. And actually, we're going to be joined by Thomas Davis this Saturday on, on blogtalkradio.com slash PGN on Go For We're going to have Thomas Davis on our show, and he's going to talk about his recovery and talk about the year that he had. Also, on Saturday, we're going to be joined by former NBA star Antoine Walker. Antoine is going to be joining us. Antoine has a couple things going on, book and, and, and documentary about his life. So we're going to talk to Antoine about some of the things he has going on. And he's a guy who struggled financially and made a boatload of money in his career and lost it. So we're going to talk to Antoine uh, about some of the great things he has going on and then also talk to him about some of the happenings in the National Basketball Association. But back to RT3 now. And, you know, I think it's a situation where Shanahan was so loyal to RG3, loyal in some respect to a fault, because, I mean, RG3, and there's a difference in the NFL between injured and hurt, and it became very evident that RG3 went from injured to hurt in that particular game. It was very evident he couldn't move, very evident that he wasn't the same quarterback that he was earlier in the game, in that particular game. He wasn't that guy. He just was not that guy. And he was having a hard time moving around back there. He was just having a hard time. He was dragging that leg. And ultimately, the thing about that game, and the funny part about that game, is the Redskins were up 14 to nothing. And from there, they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. And the reality of that, and because of RG's three injury, that was the reason they couldn't do anything. That was the big reason they couldn't do anything, RG3's injury. And when he had that injury, from there, the Redskins offense couldn't do a lick, couldn't do a thing, couldn't move the ball, couldn't move the ball at all. And they started that game on fire. I'm thinking, wow, the Redskins might blow the Seahawks out. This team could actually blow the Seahawks out. I mean, they started that game on fire. They started that game on fire. The Redskins did up 14 and nothing out of the shoot. I mean, they were, they were, you were like, wow, this, this might be a blowout. This could be a blowout, the way they started. I mean, they started on fire, the Redskins. I mean, they had an 80-yard drive to start the game. And then they have a 54-yard drive, both ending in touchdowns. And the Redskins were up 14 and nothing and in control of that particular ball game. But after that, after that second touchdown, that's when the RG3 was hurt, and that's when the injury happened. Next drive, three plays, 13 yards, and a punt. Next drive, two plays, three yards, pass intercepted. Next drive, eight plays, 23 yards, a punt. Next drive, three plays, four yards, and a punt. Next drive, five yards. Five plays, 17 yards, and a punt. And RG3's final possession, two yards, minus 19 yards, two plays, excuse me, minus 19 yards, and that drive ended with a fumble. So they started out the game, 80-yard drive and a 54-yard drive, and from there it was all downhill, and that probably was the byproduct of RG3 
and his injury situation. He wasn't the same quarterback after that second drive. Wasn't that same quarterback after that second drive. He just wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't the same quarterback. He he was struggling. He struggled. He struggled big time. And Kirk Cousins came off the bench against the Ravens and won that game and had a great performance against the Cleveland Browns, and ultimately they won that game. And Kirk Cousins has proven to be a decent backup. He's played some decent football each and every time he's gotten into the game. Each and every time Kirk Cousins got into the game, he dominated. He played well. He played well. And the thing about it is, with this Red, with that Redskins game, in that game, you probably needed maybe two more drives. And, and you know, as a whole, ten drives, first two were touchdowns, final eight drives were nothing. They were nothing. They were really nothing. And they were just, the offense was just non-existent for the Redskins. They were just non-existent. And the reality is that's a byproduct of RG3 not being the same guy. That was a byproduct of RG3 being, uh, having a torn LCL and having some issues with his, with his ACL. So I think reality is Shanahan, his loyalty to RG3 affected the team. He really affected the team. And RG3 is a gamer. He's one of those guys. Obviously, you're going to have to just pull out. You're going to have to. You're going to have to take the helmet away from him. That's the only way you're going to get RG3 out the game. You're going to have to literally take the helmet away from him. Give me your helmet, Robert. Or you're going to have to hide his helmet away from him. He's a gamer. He's a gamer. He took it as far as he could take it. He, you know, he he took the game as far as he can take it. And, and that's the reality. That's the reality of that situation. He took it, his team, meaning the Redskins, as far as he could take them. He took them as far as he could take them. And the thing about it, the thing about it, RG3, had a great year, had a stellar year. The Redskins would not be in this position if it wasn't for RG3. It, it, they just would not be in this position if it wasn't for RG3. RG3 put this team in the position that they're in. He is the sole reason that the Redskins were able to get to the playoffs. Well, not the sole reason. Alfred Morris was big. And, everybody, you know, the defense picked up their play, but... RG3 came in there and changed the culture in D.C. He changed the culture in D.C. I mean, the Redskins for many years did not have a quarterback. John Beck, Rex Grossman last year, and the list of bad quarterbacks for the Redskins goes on and on and on. The list goes on and on and on. But RG3, Donovan McNabb, the year before that wasn't that great. And they tried to fix their quarterback situation in one year with Donovan, and that turned out horribly. And the thing about it is, uh, RG3 came into the into 
D.C. and just changed the culture and gave hope to that franchise. Gave the Redskins a quarterback, something they have not had in a very, very long time. Since what? You could argue since what? Mark Rippon? Last time the Redskins had a, a legitimate quarterback? A legitimate quarterback? I mean, the Redskins quarterbacks over the years have not been the who's who's in football. It, it just hasn't. And they've been struggling to... to to fix that position. They've been struggling to fix that position. They've been struggling to fix that position over the years. And they finally were able to do it with Robert Griffin the third. They were finally able to do it with Robert Griffin the third R G three. And let's 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 look at the Redskins quarterbacks over the years, shall we? Me and Mark Rippin won the Super Bowl for the Redskins in 91. And he got 92. Rippin was still the quarterback. Then 92, Rippin was, 93, Rippin was the quarterback. Then you had Kerry Conklin in 93. 94, you had Heath Shuler. And we all know what happened there. And John Freeze as the quarterback. And we all know what happened. There are Gus Farratt, 94. Farratt and Shuler in 94. Gus Farratt, the starter in 96. 97, you had Gus Farratt and Jeff Hostetler. I, I think we're starting to get the point here. Trent Green, though Trent Green became a decent quarterback after leaving Washington. Trent Green and Gus Farratt both for the quarterbacks. Brad Johnson spent some time in Washington, but he would go on to win a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jeff George also was in the mix. Tony Banks. Was in the mix 2001, 2002. Shane Matthews and Patrick Ramsey. I mean, the the list it goes on and on. And these are not who's who's. Danny Werfel, Florida Heisman guy. Patrick Patrick Ramsey in 2003 again. Tim Hasselbeck, Mark Brunel, and Patrick Ramsey in 2004. I mean, this the list goes on and on. Rest against quarterbacks. It's not the who's who's. Jason Campbell and Mark Brunell in 2006. Jason Campbell, the starter in 2007. Todd Collins also there. 2008, Jason Campbell. 2009, Jason Campbell. Donovan McNabb in 2010. And we all know what happened there. 2011, Rex Grossman and John Beck. That wasn't good. And now, the savior. The savior, if you will. R.G. Three. R.G. Three. The savior for the Washington Redskins. He's the savior. He has changed the franchise in Washington. He has changed the course of the franchise in D.C. He's changed the culture. It was a shift in culture, a shift in D.C. because 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 of R.G. 3. Because of R.G. 3. He is the reason the Redskins made it to the playoffs. He is the reason the Redskins 
scored the first two touchdowns in that particular game. RG3. But the thing about it, after that second drive, he wasn't the same guy. He was not the same guy. Just wasn't. Just not the same quarterback after that uh after those first two drives. After the first two drives, it was all downhill for the Washington Redskins. RG three just was not healthy. Just was not healthy. And that's just the reality of the situation. Difference between injured and hurt. The difference between injured and hurt. RG3 went from injured to hurt after that second drive, and it was pretty much a done deal. And you look at it, maybe they could have made the, the, the switch at halftime. You know, prep Kirk Cousins at halftime. Maybe that's what they could have did. Maybe. But, you know, in hindsight, I guess, hindsight is 2020. And you don't know if RG3's knee was already injured coming into that game. Obviously, it wasn't. You got the sense that it wasn't. But he was dragging. That knee, that leg. He was dragging that leg. Even against the Cowboys, he was dragging that leg. You remember that touchdown he had late in that game? He dragged his leg. But he was a much different quarterback in terms of moving around and his mobility from the Eagle game to the Cowboy game. And you figured he would continue to progress, continue to slowly but surely regain his speed, regain everything, his his everything. You know, and it was it didn't happen, and he like I say started off on fire, started off on fire. I mean, like I said, eighty yard drive, fifty four yard drive, and from there, the Redskins were in control of that game, fourteen to nothing. They jumped out early, and like I said a few minutes ago, you thought it was going to be a blowout. I mean, I, I thought it was going to be a blowout. I didn't think. The uh, I, I thought maybe the Redskins were going to blow the Seahawks out, and you started thinking about okay, maybe it's to travel, you know, Seattle, coming from the Pacific Northwest all the way to Washington D.C. cross country flight. You, you thought maybe okay, maybe that's getting to them, maybe that's affecting them. But Seattle, give them a lot of a lot of credit. The response that they had, Russell Wilson. Beast mode, Marshawn Lynch, and that defense—they picked up their their play. You could argue maybe RG3's injury helped their, their defense pick up their play. You could argue that that helped the whole situation. But even throughout the course of that game, as you're watching the game, you're thinking, okay, 14-13, 14-13. Redskins are holding on, holding on, holding on. And then Seattle gets down there, and, and Marshawn Lynch fumbles the ball, and you're thinking, oh my goodness. The Redskins' defense may hold this. The Redskins may hold on here. Each and every time. Each and every time. You're watching that game, and I'm thinking maybe the Redskins could hold on, but they weren't able to. Ultimately, Seattle would break through. Beast Mode would break through. Russell Wilson would continue his strong, stellar rookie season, and ultimately the Seattle defense picked it up. Ultimately, the Seattle Seahawks would win. 
ultimately they will move on to Atlanta to place to face the Falcons in a game that is going to be very, very interesting. That is going to be a very, very interesting football game. And for a lot of reasons. I mean Seattle's a hot team. Seattle is playing big time defense. Seattle is running the ball. Marshawn Lynch, Russell Wilson as well. Seattle is doing all these things right now. Seattle is doing all these things right now. And they're playing arguably one of the best football the best football in this game right now. The best football in the league right now, the Seattle Seahawks. They're playing big time football. And Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons, for all the great things that they do, especially on the offensive side of the ball, this is a team that you can run the football on. You can run the football on the Atlanta Falcons. That alone gives the Seahawks some hope. Seahawks are the third best rushing team in this game. So that alone gives the Seahawks hope. That gives the Seahawks hope. Their ability to run the football with Marshawn Lynch. That gives the Seahawks a chance. Russell Wilson, his play. Atlanta's 23rd against the pass. So you can make some plays against this defense now. You can make some plays against this defense. But the Falcons, Matty Ice, they have an explosive big-time offense. Roddy White. Julio Jones, those boys, they're big time. They're explosive. They get it done. This Falcon offense is is, is a big time offense. But this Seattle Seahawks defense is big time as well. And they're playing the secondary is big time. I mean, they're playing the secondary is big time. With Browner and Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas. I mean, they're playing the secondary is, is big time. And they're going to need that big time play out of that secondary with the likes of Roddy White and Julio Jones coming at you. You're going to need big time play out of your secondary with those two guys coming at you. And you're going to need your pass rush. And they're missing Chris Clemens, the Seattle Seahawks. Chris Clemens tore his ACL. That's big. That's big. That's a big loss. That's your sack leader, Chris Clemens. Eleven and a half sacks now at home on the shelf for the Seahawks. And that FedEx field was a mess. It was an absolute mess. An absolute mess. And you would think they would try to do whatever they could do to get that field right, the Redskins. You would think they would do whatever they could do to get that field right. They didn't. They didn't. And ultimately, Chris Clemens may have fell victim because of it. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Al 
Anita, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. Thanks, sir. You got it, bro. We're back. And in a moment now, we're going to bring in a guy now who's preparing for a big-time football game this weekend in San Francisco. Larry Grant of the San Francisco 49ers. He has a big game against the Green Bay Packers this week. Last week, they were relaxing the 49ers. They were on by, chilling, getting their mind right, getting everything right. Because they got a big game, and the Packers are big time. And it's going to be a big time game. And they're going to have their hands full. But we shall see what happens. Let's bring him in now. 49ers linebacker, Larry Grant. Larry, how are you, man? I'm doing all right. How y'all doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And, Larry, let's get right down to it. You guys, you're about to start your playoff run against the Green Bay Packers. You ended the season winning three of the final four games. You've been playing some fairly decent football. How do you feel about your team going into the playoffs? Oh, man, we feel we feel pretty good, man. We're actually all rested up. We got that. Uh, we um, got a chance to get that bye week. We're all rested up, man. It just it just feel like you know our teeth's been, you know, we've been biting down on our teeth real bad. Just ready for this game. We're just ready to get get into the uh, into Candlestick Stadium man, and play against those Packers. It seems like you're ready to hit somebody right now, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we do. <laughs> and you guys, last year you made it all the way to all the way to the NFC title game. You are a couple plays away from actually getting to the Super Bowl. How much does last year's situation help you out this year in terms of getting that playoff experience last year? And now how much will that help you this year? Uh, you know, we can understand that every possession is, a, is is very, you know, important. You know, that there, there's no mistake that, you know, um, any team that we play against at this point in the season, it's going to be a tough game. And we understand that we, and going in for the preparation during the week, it has to be on tip top. We got to be focused and be ready to play come that Sunday or Saturday evening. And uh, you know, with the with the, with the way the things went last year, everybody's seen it. You know, God God given a, a couple of things would different differently. We would have hosted that uh, trophy probably, but um, you know, last year's last year. It's a new year for the San Francisco 49ers organization, the fans, and everybody here that support us. And uh, we're ready to start it off with a, on a good note this weekend. And look, you look at last year. Last year, you guys came together real quick with you. Yeah, obviously, you had the new coach in Harbaugh, and you had the lockout shortened season. But you came out. You were thirteen and three. You were big time last year. But this year, do you think you guys are better than you were a year ago, talent wise? Definitely. You know, just given uh, the the whole year to be able to gel together. You know, last year, and then actually, uh, even the off season with a with a whole bunch more. Um, Players added in to our to our scheme that's actually picked up and picked up on all the schemes that we we have in the, in, on this team and also more than everything you know they just we brought them in and we accepted we accepted them as family and they, it's just like they they've been here for the long run with everybody here and um you know it's just it's just a good team man we're we're just ready excited man we we finally getting this opportunity to play man we've been waiting for a whole week and a half now so it's time to get it. We're talking to 49ers linebacker Larry Grant. And, Larry, one difference with this team this year is the quarterback. I mean, Alex Smith started most of the season. He got injured. Colin Kaepernick came in. He took off. He's leading this team. This offense seems a little more explosive with Kaepernick. But all in all, talk about the play of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, you know, the thing about Kaepernick, he brings a completely different dimension to the game. 
you know, now nowadays, you know, you you're getting that more athletic quarterback, you know, um nothing nothing against Alex, you know, Alex is athletic as well, but you know, it's a lot of separation for other teams they gotta do when they play against Cap. And Cap has you know, he's he's basically come off the bench and lifted our team and our spirits to a completely different level. You know, we we respect the things that we do, man, we ride with either with either guy underneath under underneath that center and we ride with them both. But, you know, um this weekend is Cap's gonna start us off, man. He's gonna he's gonna show the world what he's all about. And he he you you think he's gonna show the world what it's what he's all about and he has shown the world what he's all about. Are there any concerns in terms of this is the first in the time that Kaepernick is gonna be on the playoff stage. Any concerns there? No, nah, none at all. You know, Cap's played on big stages all, all season long, man, and this is just another game for him to go go out there and impress the people on the other side of the ball, you know, and show them what he can do. You know, we we know that Cap's ready for big time. You know, if, 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 if the 49th organization didn't believe in Cap, they wouldn't have drafted him last year in the second round. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, we're us as players, man, we're excited to see <clears throat> Cap <clears throat> be able to, excuse me, Cap to be able to come out and play and do what he know he can do. You know, we, we've been on it. But, uh, you know, it's just it's good for us. It's good for the cap. You know, we're excited for him. Now, Larry, you played the Packers first game of the season. That was a game where you guys led from start to finish. Anything that you take away from that game going into this game? Uh, you know, you always got to look look back at the game. If, if you played the team before, you always got to look back and see what they did, how they played against us then. But the thing about the Green Bay Packers, man, from from week one of the season to week 16, 17 of the season, it's a completely different team. Right. They, they, they've been together for a whole year now, and they understand exactly how to play. And, and they've seen us play many of times this year. And I know they're going to come out firing, guns firing. You know, Aaron Rodgers happy to be home. Great. Uh, a lot of other guys have, have, that's also San Francisco, Bay Area natives, that are going to be happy to be home. And this is going to be ready to guns hot and ready to go at us. And what do you guys feel like you need to do to, to shut down Aaron Rodgers. What do you guys think you need to take away from Aaron Rodgers to be effective in this game? Um, you know, we just got to take away. You know, he, the, the good thing about the good thing that Aaron Rodgers does, man, he, he runs that off, and, and he gets the ball out quick, man. He's as, in recent times he hasn't t- taken many strikes because because he gets the ball out quick. So you know, uh, the one thing we got to do our, our back seven got to come play. And yeah. another addition to that team is their running back who's been running the ball really hard uh-huh. as of lately. And uh, you know, we take we take uh we definitely take a second look at everything. And you know what we we're putting together Dick and uh our defensive staff is definitely putting together uh putting together a game plan to to do whatever we can to to stop or lessen that big place. Definitely and First game of the season, the running back you were talking about was DeJuan Harris. But the first game of the season, Cedric Benson was the starter. And you guys did a pretty good job against their run game. You obviously believe you guys have to duplicate that. you got to stop their run game. Yeah, definitely. You know, first things first, when we're coming out on defense. And if you want to win the game, you got to stop the run. Definitely. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one thing that we've cherished on the last couple of years now in, 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 in San Francisco, stopping the run. You guys have stopped so, uh, the run. This season, you know? we're talking to we're talking to Forty Nine ers linebacker Larry Grant and Larry. 
Your defense is big time. You stop the run, but you also do a good job against the pass, and one of the reasons why is Alden Smith, 19 and a half sacks this year. Talk about the play of Alden Smith. Man, the guy has, has came great leaps and bounds and strides <laughs> from last year. Of course, he everybody knows he was a sack machine last year as well, but the difference in this game this year is that he's an all-around player. He's in there to stop the run. He's in there to get 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 back in coverage. You know, the man has 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 became a completely different and better player than he was last year. Man, the guy's a phenom. And uh, sooner or later, I said it first. <laughs> Maybe not, <laughs> but I, I'm standing now that he he's going to break that sack record sooner or later. And, so uh, he will get straight hand record. Definitely, and uh, the one thing that compliment him is the other guys on on on, on, on the side of him, Justice McRae, and, and definitely all, and definitely Ahmad Brooks on the other side. You know, uh, without those guys, you know, all of them be getting chipped and double teamed all day long. But That's because true. of the things that they do as well, it helps all of them be able to have the success that he has. How's Justin Smith looked in practice? I mean, he looked good. He looked like the same Justin Smith we've seen week one. You know, of course, he's wearing a little brace on his arm. But with the guy with that mindset, it's kind of hard to, to slow him down. <laughs> he, he's a beast. You see his arms. His arms are ridiculous. He is a beast. Yeah. He is a beast. And Larry, let, let's talk about you now. Last season, you got you got you started a few games. Patrick Willis went down. You started a few games. You played well in those games. Not as many opportunities as you had last year. But all in all, how do you feel about your play at this point of the season? Um. I definitely feel like I, I, play, I played as well as I can with such things. You know, I definitely, uh, you know, as a player, you're always your, 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 always your worst critic. I definitely look back and say uh, there's many more plays I could have made, could have made this way, could have made that play. But at the end of the day, I'm doing what I can to to, to make this team, help this team be ex, as ex, successful as I can. Definitely. I'm helping in my meeting rooms. I've been helping with Patton Bow, of course, and the rest of the young bucks in our, in our meeting rooms, man. And, uh, you know, uh, my play has been – uh, you know, it's been well. Of course, I wish I could have played better as well, but my play is doing well. I haven't got as many opportunities, the opportunity like I did last year, but, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty patient person, man, and if the opportunity presents itself now, I'll definitely be ready. I'll always stay ready. Definitely. And, Larry, you stay ready anytime you're called on on the field and you're ready to do things off of the field. You're doing big things off of the field, a better hand foundation. Tell us a little bit about this great foundation. Um, and it's, a, it's definitely a great up-and-coming foundation that me and uh, my brother LaShawn Woods have spent, many, spent a lot of time putting together. You know, it's a, it's a foundation that we do to help, of, of course, the young and all, all youth when it comes to teens and, and uh, elementary kids as well uh, that, that are less fortunate. And also kids coming out of the juvenile centers that need a little bit of help um, with, with the lead of their life. And uh, instead of going for probation officers, you know, we can be, that that help that they need as well, and, you know anything that any, we we're ba- we're basically um, pushing into any area that we can when it comes to a less fortunate kid or a kid that needs help in any direction. You know, uh, it's a big thing for us. You know, it, it's kind of it's kind of part of the childhood that I was raised in. You know, uh, and any kid that we see living like I used to live and my brother used to live, you know, we're we're we're, we're, we're able to put anything we can down just to help them um, move on better with their lives. And that's big time. And recently you guys had a little cook-off for your foundation. I didn't know you had skills in the kitchen, man. Tell us about this cook-off. I I, I do. I does do my thing in the kitchen. But on that day I was eating. 
I, I was okay. tasting everybody else's food. Okay. You know, uh, Richard really good. You know, Dan Costa and and uh, Michael Mena and all them, all those great guys were there. Man, it was it was just it was a blast. It was our first annual cookout, and uh, the chili was amazing. The people were amazing. Everything was amazing that day. I mean, a better hand foundation got better that day. Definitely, and a lot of people got better that day because of some of the great work you're doing in the community. Where can fans find out? Do you find some information about this uh, this great foundation? Say it again. Where can fans find information about this great foundation? Um, we have a website. It's called abetterhandfoundation.org. Uh, it has a lot of information on there as well. And also I have a Twitter as well that you guys can follow. It's uh, at LarryGrant54. Okay. And uh, uh, any, any information you need on the foundation is always it's up there. I definitely talk about my foundation a lot, as well as football as well. And uh, if you want to learn a little bit more, you can always go check it out. It's called abetterhandfoundation.org. Larry, I can tell by your voice, man, that you're ready to go, man. You you want to hit somebody right now. I definitely do. You definitely, definitely want to do. hit somebody right now. <laughs> it's not only me, man. It's the whole locker room over there in San Francisco. Right, right. And, and real quickly now, you're looking at it now. You guys had to buy. Green Bay's already played last week, so that they're a team that's played and, and, and ready to go. Does having that buy, are, are you afraid that there's a possibility of you guys being flat? We saw last year with the Packers where they were flat coming out against the Giants. Uh, how do you guard against being flat? Uh, that's, what, that's, that's the one thing we're not worried about. Okay. We're not worried about being flat at all, man. The, the good thing about this team is that as soon as the lights come on, we turn on. So okay. there's no flatness. Yeah, nobody will see no flatness out of this team, man. We're, we're it's like it's like a pack of dogs. You're holding them back, and the meat is just looking right in their, right there in their face. As soon as you right. let them go, we're going to go fight. <laughs> and it, the funny thing is, I, I've had Terrell Brown on the show. I had Chris Culliver on the show, and now I'm talking to you. The one thing I, I noticed about this 49ers team is the confidence. You guys yeah. sound very confident in your abilities. You guys sound very confident in your team. And just talking to you guys, I, I'm, I'm getting a sense, man, and I'm, I'm, I, I may have to change my pick along the way, but I'm and talking to you guys, I'm getting a sense that you guys really believe that you are going to get to the Super Bowl and that you are going to win this thing, win this whole thing, man. I, I feel it. I hear it in all you guys' voices. Definitely. I mean, first thing first, when we came into meeting rooms in April, the first thing that we all thought was, from from this day forward, our main focus was getting to to getting to host that hoist that uh, Lombardi Trophy. Yeah. You know, of course, we took it one week at a time, one day at a time. And, you know, that day, them days and them weeks have brought us here to this point. And now it's just another stepping stone in the road that Green Bay has to be in the way. And <laughs> we're gonna do whatever we got to do to get to that place, to get to that place, to get to that Lombardi Trophy. Definitely. And one more, let me give out your foundation, www.abetterhandfoundation.org. That's www.abetterhandfoundation.org. And also follow this man on Twitter, Larry Grant 54 Support some of the great things Larry Grant has going on in the community. Larry, pleasure talking to you, man. We wish you nothing but the best of luck on uh, against the Green Bay Packers, and let's do this again. Thank you. Let's get it.
<laughs> Take care. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy holidays. You too. Thank you. Larry Grant, linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers. He's confident. I had Chris Culver on last week. He's confident. I had Terrell Brown on a few weeks before that. He's confident. This 49ers team is a confident bunch. I hear it in his voice. I heard it in Culver's voice. I heard it in Terrell Brown's voice. This is a confident bunch. They believe that they belong in the Super Bowl. They believe that they will be hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. They believe they're one of the best teams in football. Time will be the judge of that. Time will be the judge of that. This is a confident bunch. This is a confident bunch, and they have a tough test against the Green Bay Packers this weekend. A tough, tough test. You want my pick for that game? You want my pick for that game? Let's bring in the drums. Let's bring in the drums. I think it's time for me to give my pick for that particular game. Let's bring in the drums. Drum roll, please. Packers, 49ers. Who's going to win? You're going to have to wait till Saturday. I'm not giving you my pick right now. You're going to have to wait till Saturday for that one. I can't give it to you just yet. I can't give it to you just yet. I will say this. I love the confidence in the voices of Chris Culliver, who was on our show last week. I love the confidence in the voice of Terrell Brown, who was on our show a few weeks back. I love the confidence in the voice of Larry Grant, who was just on our show. I can't argue with that confidence, man. They are a confident bunch. But Aaron Rodgers is a confident confident guy, too. That Green Bay Packers team is a talented football team. That Green Bay Packers team can throw it like no other. Their running game is improved. Their defense is playing better. This is going to be a tough football game either way for both teams. I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know where I'm going with this. I have an idea where I'm going in the AFC. But in terms of the NFC, I'm a little up in the air right now. I am a little up in the air right now. So, so, I'm going to go after the show. And next couple of days, I'm going to go to the lab, going to sit down, going to think about some things. And I'm going to think about this particular football game. I, I, I'm going to think about this 49ers defense, Colin Kaepernick. I'm going to think about Aaron Rodgers, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson. I'm going to think about all these things, Charles Woodson, Clay Matthews back in the mix, Justin Smith back in the mix for the 49ers. I'm going to think about all these things. I got so much on my mind in thinking about these two games. I don't know which way to go. I'm, I'm in the middle here. I'm stuck in the middle. Too high to get, o- too high to get over, too low to get under. I'm stuck in the middle. I'm stuck in the middle. 
I don't know where I'm going to go. But when I do find out, when I find out, you guys will be the first to know. You guys will be the first to know. You will be the first to know. You will be the first to know when I find out and I make my decision and I determine who is going to win these games this weekend. Let me just give you a little tip. Last week, I was 4-0. and um, I picked all those games correctly. So I have a little bit of a pedigree. I have a little bit of a pedigree. My resume says last week, Paul Gant picked all four games correctly. That's what the resume says. And oh, by the way, Paul Gant picked the national title game correctly as well. But I don't think that really was too hard. I mean, let's be honest. Alabama, going into that game, we knew was a better football team. We knew they were a better football team. And the way Alabama played against Notre Dame, it wasn't even close. The game was over after halftime. I, I said it was going to come down to the quarterback, so I thought Notre Dame would do a better job against the Alabama run game. Boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. Eddie Lacy, 20 carries, 140 yards. What a big-time bruising back Eddie Lacy is. Big-time bruising back Eddie Lacy. And, oh, by the way, the freshman T.J. Yeldon did his thing as well for Alabama, 108 yards, 265 total rushing yards for Alabama. They were dominant. They were big time, and they got it done. And, oh, by the way, their quarterback, A.J. McCarron, 20 for 28, 264 big yards, four big touchdowns. And, oh, by the way, we all saw his girlfriend Monday night. Brent Musburger, Kirk Herbstreet were fawning over his girl. They were loving his girl. Musburger was talking about his girlfriend like a dirty old man. I mean, they were loving A.J. McCarron's girlfriend. She's a beautiful woman, good-looking woman. I mean, let's not get it twisted. She is a good-looking woman. But, I mean, they went overboard. They were just going on and on and on about this woman. I mean, my goodness, they were going on and on and on about this woman. She's beautiful. She's good-looking, but she wasn't all that. I mean, she wasn't all that, but he's an old man, Musburger. So old men, you know, they, they inflate women a little bit. They inflate the women a little bit. You know, you see a, see a young tenderoni out there, they inflate her a little bit. And that's what Musburger did. They inflated her a little bit. Her popularity is going up. Everybody's following her on Twitter. Everybody's loving her on Twitter right now. And, you know, everybody's talking about her. Good-looking woman. But was she all that? Nah, she wasn't all that. Was she pretty? Yes, she was pretty. All that? No. Pretty? Yes. All that? No. Pretty? Yes. She was a good-looking woman. She is a good-looking woman, I should say. But this game wasn't close. And that SEC, Alabama just came in there and said, you know what, we're from the big, bad SEC, and we're going to show you how we do it in the SEC. We're going to show you how we do it in the SEC. I mean, we beat Georgia when we needed to beat Georgia. 
We beat uh, Texas A&M beat us. But, we, I mean, we beat LSU when we needed to beat LSU. We beat a lot of big-time teams. We beat a lot of big-time teams. We are the SEC. We are the Southeastern Conference. We're big-time. We do a big in the SEC. And that's what they did. They did a big. They did a big-time. Alabama was head and shoulders above Notre Dame. It wasn't even close. This game was over by the end of the first quarter. You expect Notre Dame to have to, to get, you know, have somewhat of a fight. To 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 have somewhat of some fight in this game, but it was over by by halftime. Well, well, over by the first quarter, excuse me. And it was definitely over by halftime. Definitely over by halftime. Twenty eight to nothing at halftime, twenty twenty one to nothing at the end of the first quarter. So this game was over before it even started, pretty much. I mean, it was over right away. It was over right away. And you look at Notre Dame's schedule, I mean, I guess you could say their signature win was against Oklahoma. That was their signature win this season. Squeaked by Pitt in three overtimes. Squeaked by Stanford, and Stanford was good this year. Stanford had a good season. Beat Stanford in overtime. But their schedule wasn't anything to write home about. And, you know, they were fortunate enough to get by certain teams throughout this season, fortunate enough to get by Pitt. Fortunate enough, very fortunate to get by Pitt. I mean, Pitt was in control of that game for a long time. They were in control in that particular game. They were in control, Pitt. They were in control. And you look at it. Notre Dame Notre Dame is a team that you look at them throughout the course of this year, throughout the course of this year, Notre Dame, I mean, everybody's happy that the Irish is good again. And it's good. I mean, let's be real. It's good when Notre Dame's good. It's good when the Yankees are good. It's good when the Cowboys are good. It's good when the Knicks are good, the Lakers are good. That's good for basketball. It's good for football. It's good for all of these sports when these teams are are good. When those big-time teams, those Historic teams are good. It's good when those teams are good. It's good when those teams are good. Very good. Very good. But Notre Dame, they just ran into a monster in Alabama. They just ran into a big-time defense. They just ran into a big-time running game. They just ran into a big-time quarterback and ultimately they were just ran out of the building. They were ran out of the building by the Alabama Crimson Tide. Nick Saban, three titles in four years. He says he doesn't want to go to the NFL, but what else can this guy do on the college level? I mean, what else can he do? They had a dynasty, dynasty there in Alabama. I mean, it's just Alabama's big time. Alabama is big time, and A.J. McCarron's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. So, with that being said, Alabama is going to continue to be a big-time team. Alabama is going to continue to be a big-time team. 
They're going to continue to be big time. They are going to continue to be big time. So Alabama, they're big time. Nick Saban, he's big time. A.J. McCarron, he's big time. A.J. McCarron's girlfriend, she is now big time. Everybody's talking about her. Miss Alabama, she's big time. Even though she goes to Auburn, but she's big time. I mean, all these 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 guys, these they're big time. Everybody's big time right now. It's great to be a fan of Alabama. Wish I was. I wish I was a fan of the Crimson Tide of Alabama. I really do. But oh well, I'm not. It is what it is. What are you going to do? Temple House. I'm a temple guy. Got to go in my house. Love my temple house. Love my temple house. Love them. Love them. Love them. Make sure you join us on Saturday, because on Saturday we're going to be joined by Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis. And Thomas is going to give us a little insight about RG3. I mean, Thomas, he's come back from three ACL injuries. So he can give RG3 some some advice, and he can tell us the process and what it takes to come back from an ACL injury. So we're going to talk to Thomas Davis on Saturday. Also, we're going to be joined by former NBA star Antoine Walker. We know his story. He had some money issues, but Antoine is in the process of making a documentary, in the process of writing a book. So he's got some things going on, and we're going to talk to Antoine about that. Also talk about some of the things going on in the NBA. And speaking of the things going on in the NBA, we've got the situation with Melo, Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Garnett, Melo waiting outside, waiting for Garnett, wanted a piece of Garnett. Apparently those two were trash-talking. KG trash-talks like no other. He was trash-talking. Apparently reports are, and Doc Rivers said this is not true, but the reports are Kevin Garnett said to Melo that his wife tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. His wife tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. Let me think about that for a second. Let me think about that for a second. Cheerios. His wife tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. That's that's what they said happened. That's that's what some of the reports are that KG said that to Mello. And talking about Melo's lovely, beautiful wife, Lala. I don't know. You know, I do like Cheerios. Kind of like Apple Jacks better. But I don't have a problem with Cheerios. Cheerios are good. Cheerios are tasty. I don't have a problem with it. But <laughs> the thing about it is, those were that's that's what the reports were. And because of that, Melo wanted a piece of them. Melo said he just wanted to talk to them, but... Melo obviously took it a little too far. I mean, if you want to talk to the guy, you can find another time to talk to him. And you can talk to him in a civil way. I mean, Melo looked agitated, looked like he wanted a piece of him. Looked like he wanted to do a little more than just talk. Looked like he wanted to do a little more than just talk. Like he wanted to do a little more than that. Looked like Melo wanted to do a little more than that. But, uh, you know, in terms of trash talking... You know, you look at trash talking, I'm thinking, okay, some say there are no rules in terms of trash talking. Others disagree. 
But are there rules in terms of trash talking on the court? I mean, you say what you got to do to get into a person's head. Some say you don't talk about a person's mama. Some say, you know, you don't talk about a person's wife. You know, obviously you don't talk about a person's kids. That's one thing you don't do. You obviously don't talk about a person's kids. I think it's worth talking about a person's kids and a person's wife. You know, I would think. But you don't do those things. And those were... Or, or, or some of the, you know, but uh, some people say there's no rules in trash talking. Say what you want. Say what you got to do to get in the person's head. I would agree with that. I mean, I would, you know, I would, you know, other than talking about kids, but at the same time, you know what? Uh, in terms of that, I mean, I don't know if there are, any, if there are rules. You know, you say what you need to say. Say what you got to say to get into get under a person's skin. Get into a person's head. That's what you, that, I mean, that's what happens. What people do. I mean, I, I, I. I don't know if I can argue with that. You know, I don't. I don't know if there are rules. I don't know if there are rules with, in terms of trash talking. You know, I mean, if I if I'm on the court and I'm trying to get into a person's head, I'm going to trash talk. I'm, I'm going to trash talk. I'm going to trash talk, and I'm going to try to get into a person's head. That's what I'm going to try to do. That's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to get into your head. I'm going to try to get into your head. That's what I'm going to try to do. That's what I'm going to try to do. I'm trying to get into your head. Do whatever I got to do to get into your head. Do whatever I got to do to get a competitive advantage. That's what I'm going to do if I'm a player. Well, some argue, you know what? Shouldn't, shouldn't say to talk about a person's wife. Shouldn't talk about a person's kids. The kids thing, I don't know if you do that. The wife thing, I can see that. Don't talk about a person's mama. It is what it is. You're trying to get into a person's head. I don't blame. I mean, trash talking is trash talking. Trash talking is trash talking. I guess in some level, you know, certain places, you know, certain type of trash talking will lead to a fight. And you, you talk about certain things about a person, you're going to have to do what you have to do to defend yourself. Just the way it is. And. Mel ultimately was sent suspended. He took it a little too far, I would think, and he was suspended. And speaking of the NBA, reports are former number one draft pick Greg Oden has decided that he will resume. He will resume his NBA career. He expects to return not this year, but the following season. This is a guy who's just been snake bitten with injuries throughout the, his whole career. Only played 82 games in his career. Only 82 games. That's it. That's it. And he was just, he's just snake-bitten. When it comes to injuries, Greg Oden has been snake-bitten. Greg Oden has truly been snake-bitten. He has. He's been snake-bitten. And the thing about it is, the guy's only played 82 games in his career. 82 games. That city came in with Kevin Durant. Remember that draft? Blazers had an opportunity at Durant. They chose Odom. You can't blame them. If you always have an, if you have an opportunity to get big, you usually go big over small. But you just can't stay on the court. You can't stay on the court has played only 82 games since he came into the league in 2008-2009. That's it. That's all 
he's able his he's been able to muster up his eighty two games. Wow. He snake bitten. Blazers as a franchise, snake bitten him, Bill Walton. Um the name's Sam Bowie. The list goes on and on. Even Brandon Roy on some level. The list goes on and on in talking about the Portland Trailblazers. The list goes on and on. Crazy. But he says he's going to return, resume his career and come on back next season, 2013-2014. We shall see if he's able to do so. I'm rooting for him. I hope he can. I hope he can. But we shall see. Want to thank Reggie Howard for stopping by. Follow this man on Twitter at Reggie Howard. He's doing some big things in the community. Really doing some big time things in the community. Helping his community out, helping his former players, his fellow players out. He's doing big time things in the community. Also follow him on Twitter at United Athletes. Support some of the great things he has going on. Also want to thank Larry Grant of the San Francisco 49ers. Larry has a big-time football game this week. Larry sounds confident. Larry sounds confident. His Niners, they sound confident. And Larry, we'll see, we shall see what happens. And Larry's doing big things in the community as well, www.abetterhandfoundation.org. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgame, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter, at go for it game. Make sure you check us out on Saturday. Expect to be joined by Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis and also former NBA star Antoine Walker. We could be joined by a couple others as well, but we shall see. We shall see. Everybody, take care. Enjoy your night. We'll see you in a couple days on Saturday, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Check us out, blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. It's go forward. It's Paul Gant. Check us out Saturday, 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Follow us on Twitter at GoForAgain. See you later. Take care.